going to take it for a W. At your desk, on your phone, in the car. It's a show specifically for you, Sacramento. Whitey. You got a new song out of this anyway. Hoops, I did it again. So that's... Right. Hello. No. Nope. No. Nope. Watkins. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I don't want to be the wet blanket on everybody. It's Whitey and Watkins, and it starts. Hurry up! No. 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 Speaking of new songs, thank you very much, CK916, uh, for your kind words about the stupid thing I slapped together and threw on Twitter last night. I gotta find this. I have not yet heard this musical excellence. Eh, you're not missing out on anything. Oh, uh, you're so eh, humble. Eh. <laughs> but thank you, uh, CK916. Appreciate that. And thanks to Carmichael Dave. Jmar's here today. That's me. The dry blanket in the building. Uh, NBA Jam shirt, uh, healed, and De'Aaron Fox. Yes, rookie De'Aaron Fox at that. It's a little faded now, but I still like the shirt. That's the thing with buying shirts like this. It's like... You have to know they're only going to really, truly last for like one or two years before someone's traded or walks as a free agent. I save all those shirts. Deuce used to always make fun of me. He said, you wear the oldest shirts. It's like, well, I mean, like I have the 2002 Western Conference Finals shirt. It's like, and it, it's still wearable. It looks great. What's, is it? Well, kind of. Like, is it wearable? People wear shirts, brand new shirts all the time. They're supposed to look old, right? So what's wrong with having a t-shirt? That, I get, no, I'm not. Listen, I'm here for the vintage look. Okay. It's just that particular well i know i know <laughs> that the content more so than the actual vintageness of it is what is bothering me i may also have a 2002 pacific division See, champion that's <laughs> super cool that's a great conversation starter you know what i mean is that why you wear them because i feel like a lot of those shirts are conversation starters can be sure yeah that's one reason <laughs> somebody just gave me a shirt like that my daughter just gave me a shirt like that only it's uh mlb jam oh. and it's you darvish and blake snell so, oh. yeah. Like Blake Snell, good. You Darvish, not great, right? <laughs> He's hurt. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, buddy. And then that. I got, yeah. so I have three of these NBA Jam shirts. So I have this one, and then I have a, um, it's a black tee, and it's it's a throwback. It's Weber and J. Will, ah. which I like that one. And then I have another throwback one, which is uh, Mitch and Spud. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's really nice. No, I like that. Your references favorite. are out of control. Everyone knows that. Christopher Laud, what's your shirt today? Your, t- your T-shirt. Uh, wrestling the elite versus the Hardy Boys. Who won? The elite. Ah, nice. It's because they're elite. Uh huh. How do you beat elite? You don't. Who's elite in this uh, this contract dispute here between the 49ers and Bosa? I think Bosa's looking pretty elite, don't you? Uh, I was gonna say Bosa's agent. Yeah, actually, is the one looking real elite right now. I, I was I was having this conversation with Emil yesterday, and I want to get your take on this. Do the 49ers, whether that's Jed York, whether that's the front office, do they know they have no leverage? Like, has that entered their mind yet? <laughs> that's Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, we had uh, Rob Stats Guerrera on Friday, and he made a great point. When you think about it, the 49ers have a history of making these things more difficult than they have to be. Yes. Case in point, Debo Samuel <laughs> yes. last year. Yes, very difficult to the point that yeah. they had Debo, according to Debo, mentally not there, coming into camp, out of shape. I don't think you'll have that issue with Bosa if and when this gets done because the Bosas are known for their elite training regimen in the offseason. But even the Trent Williams situation yep. was kind of a, hey, it's a, according to legend, at one point Trent Williams called coach and said, can you get this solved so I don't have to leave? <laughs> and it, it, it took that 
for them to get over the hump. So, you know, they do have a history of making these things, as I say, harder than they need to be. I'm with you 100%, Jay. It's like, hello, you don't have any leverage here. You have to give him <laughs> what he wants because right. you need him that badly. And then you hear the reports of $4 million, and it's like, is $4 million really worth upsetting the best defensive player in football? Like, is it is it really going to is it really going to hamstring your cap both now and the future over an extra $4 million annually? Uh, they I, apparently I, think it will. And obviously, or, I don't pretend to understand, you know, cap room and all of that. Do you think this is like, because I, I feel like this is more probably like Jed York than it is probably John Lynch, right? When it comes to I, the money. My guess is it's Lynch and Parag Marate. Really, you, yeah, you, know, you think mean, he's done a great job at holding this whole thing together? Yeah, but, but I, you're right. I mean, obviously, York at some point has to be holding the line. Yeah, because you're I right. feel like York is the one. I feel like John Lynch and Parag would probably just be like, "All right, just give him the four million. We'll figure it out later." I mean, that's the thing with these NFL and the salary cap; they find ways to circumvent it all the time, and they figure it out later. So I feel like is this a case of Jed York not wanting to be the owner that sets the precedent of? paying the guy to be the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL? Is he trying not to set that precedent right now? The only thing that makes sense to me, and I don't pretend to know, but the only thing that makes sense to me is that somebody, whether it's Jed, John Lynch, Pragmarate, or or somebody else in there in that pipeline, seems to think that if we do this, it's really going to hurt us and really going to limit our ability to keep the team together. I'm not saying they're right. I don't know, but that's the only thing that makes sense to me. Yeah. As far as, like, to your point, is it a matter of, well... You know, we don't want to be the ones to cross that barrier. I, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Right. I, I would hope that that's not a concern. I would hope so, too, because it's not like you're paying some just, you know, average Joe edge rusher. This is arguably the best non-quarterback in the NFL, whether you're looking at offense or defense, you know. So it's not like you have to worry about setting the market. It The market's always going to be Someone's going to get paid more than Nick Bosa at some point. Like, I, I feel like that's always been a weird excuse in the NFL of not wanting to set precedent and paying a guy. But you mentioned the Super Bowl. I just feel like for a team that has so many Super Bowl aspirations, boy, has there just been a lot of unnecessary drama. And it seems like this locker room is pretty tight-knit, but you got to wonder at some point, does that drama seep into the locker room at any point and kind of... So Break far it hasn't, but I think it's a great question. I was wondering the same thing last week. Why all the drama for a team that hasn't actually won anything? And it's like they, but they make up, we knew the quarterback drama was going to be a thing. Like that was their, you know, but also again, their fault for it being there in the first place. But it's like, then you have this unnecessary drama around Bosa, which I don't think anyone expected. And then it's like, and now we have kicker drama too. It's like, why? We don't need kicker drama. I know. But we have kicker drama. Like, who, yes. who has kicker drama? That, yeah, that uh, <laughs> didn't go according to plan. On the other hand, and you know this is true, we've seen it. Once Bosa gets signed, whenever that is, I mean, if today they say, okay, we're good, it, it all goes away. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the drama's gone once Bosa's signed. But now signed. You, you run the risk of actually playing a game without him, which is... No, you don't want Less that. Less than ideal, in my opinion. Yeah, no, because we've seen in the preseason, right, like they had a little trouble getting uh, edge rushers to the quarterback without Bosa in the lineup. Now you want to take that into game one. And, you know, the 49ers have said, you know, this team has notoriously gotten off to slow starts under Kyle Shanahan for the most part in his coaching tenure there. But they want to get off to a hot start this year. That's going to be really difficult to do in Pittsburgh, which is always a tough place to play against one of the better defenses in the NFL. So your offense will, you know, I mean, the 49ers will put up points, but it's not like they're going to put up, I think, 35 on the Steelers. 
you're going to want some uh, reinforcements on yep. defense. It's going to be what would arguably probably be a close game. You you don't want to be missing your best player. Well, let's be honest. The vast majority of NFL games now are close games. Yes. Even if you're, you know, it takes uh, sometimes a bounce of the ball to beat even lesser teams. That's just right. the nature of the game right now. And he makes a big difference. So he's vitally important. I have here this is not necessarily a quiz. So I'm not trying to grill you. I would not have known this if I hadn't just looked it up. Uh, the 10 highest paid non-quarterbacks uh, and what they're making. Do you have any idea? Well, I'm sure the top of the list. Uh, the thing I wanted to see is we look at this list and then determine, hey, does Bosa belong at the top of this list? And if so, by how much? Aaron Donald is currently the top. That's He's the highest paid non 31 per, right? 31.6. Then after that, it goes Tyreek Hill at 30, TJ Watt at 28, Devontae Adams at 28, Joey Bosa at 27. Hehe. <laughs> That's a nice contract, brother. Yeah. I'm going to blow you out of the water. Little brother getting more money. Then it goes Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Laramie Tunsil, Miles Garrett, and uh, uh, Quinnen Williams just signed up big deal. So he's the 10th highest paid non-QB. So, yeah, you look yes, at that. Yes, he deserves to be there. No. <laughs> he deserves I to be know. at the top of that. Yes. And I know a lot of this is because of age, but I'd rather have Nick Bosa than Aaron Donald at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's nothing against Aaron Donald. Again, it's just an age factor. Yes, he should be at the top of the list. It's not even close. I, I just don't understand what is the holdup at this point because you have to imagine these talks started at some point like last season, but then obviously the offseason comes and they pick up in earnest. Like, when did we get to this number? Like, when did this become the sna- – how long has this been a point of contention, this particular issue of the money? Because, you know, in NFL contracts, there's a lot to work out there. So when did we get to – has it been like – two months that they've been in a holdout at this number? Has it been a month, two weeks? Like, were they able to get everything figured out? And then just, I want to know how long they've been at this number because it seems like a relatively easy fix. And what does the Ian Rappaport report today, the term, and I think actually it was yesterday, there has to be, did he use the term significant movement? Significant movement. Okay. So both sides pretty well dug in. Yeah, no, everybody is dug in we obviously know what Bosa's dug in on but it's like why are the Niners like why are we drawing the line in the sand here Mm -hmm. and they've made it a point to say we're not going to put these negotiations out there in the media I feel like you might want to start leaking little tidbits though somebody has leaked something yes and I think I know who it is yeah oh (laughs) oh do you (laughs) kind of like gee where did all that Trey Lance information come from how do we now know that he's uh, the third-string quarterback. Huh. Yeah. Are you saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Hey, agent's going to agent, man. Wow, you're saying the Bosa side is leaking information trying to get their guy signed? Sure. Wow. An accusation <laughs> like none other. It's not even an accusation. I it's a put compliment. The, I have to put allegedly on it just to make sure that you, sir, are safe from legal well, action. You said, I think Tim Kawakami wrote about it today. You know, it's time for somebody on one side or the other yes. to start spilling some of this stuff to get some pressure on the situation. So maybe, I don't know, something actually happened. Yeah, because us in the media are tired of speculating. We want concrete stuff now to yes. break down. Jeez. Yes. And as you pointed out, we've got a 49er game coming up Sunday, and we have questions. And that, yeah, you could say that about every team. We don't know if Bosa's <laughs> going to play or not. And we have kicker questions. I just want to say this. I want to beat the rush here. Uh, Matthew Wright could be their kicker. Yes. And hopefully it's Moody, because you know I've been on that Moody bandwagon from day one. You bought the jersey. I did. Yeah, I lost it. Oh, uh, darn it. Somewhere. Yeah. So he's dealing still with a quad strain and says he might kick. If he doesn't, then Matthew Wright is, would be the kicker. 
I just want to make this joke first, because you know if he misses one right, everyone's going to say, is his middle name Wide? Matthew Wide Wright. Okay. So I just want to beat the rush and be the first to get that out there. Or if he misses one where the 49ers have been wrong, not right there you in go. signing Good it. Good for you. This is the no. interesting thing, though. Is he's trademark a, that. Do you think it's any coincidence <laughs> that he's a former Steelers kicker and they have him Not potentially ready to the point where it's like, let's say he go, let's say it's it's Matthew Wright on Sunday, right? And he goes three for three. And Moody's ready for week two. They they automatically cut him, right? Like he's only here it's because it's against Pittsburgh. Uh, and Chris is was it? Chris Watkins, by the way, should be along. Is kicker today trauma too. a good problem to have? <laughs> um, no, it's good though to have. Well, I mean, if you have two good options, it's better than like last week. It was like, well, both of our kickers are down. We need Wisnowski to kick. So it's a it's not a great problem, but it's a better problem to have. But Chris Watkins was the one, and again, Chris should be along today too. Um, he was the one that pointed out to me that I'm sure you know this. Heinz Field, as we still call it, difficult uh, yes. stadium in which to kick. So yes. That's that, to your again, point. That's why yeah. you bring in Matthew Wide right. Or will Matthew just be right? Yes. Is it How Matthew right answer? Yes. He's going to be fine. Yeah, he'll, he'll do fine. great. You know Bosa's what? going to sign. They're going to be fine. Kickers just kick, right? That's all they got to do. No problem. Bosa signs today. Gets four sacks Sunday. Everybody's happy yeah. again. When you look... Kyle's barking and making fun of the media. Oh, you thought what was going to happen? What was that? Do you don't have any questions today about Bosa or why we don't know what we're talking about? Oh, okay. All I'm right. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, yeah. You don't question me ever. Yeah, no, you do not do that. Is there what is it with Kyle though? Like anytime he gets asked like a, just a legitimately fair question, he just he throws a temper tantrum. I honestly think it's kind of like Maybe you're doing something. I know you have a son, right? Yes. You're doing something, and maybe a young kid, maybe it's not even your kid. Sometimes it's like neighbor kid, and they want to ask all these questions. And you're like, I don't have time for your questions. I'm doing something. I think that's how Kyle is with the media. Yeah, it's like, first that of makes all, sense. I, I have stuff to do right now. I don't even want to talk to you. Then when you ask me these idiotic questions, I really have more important things to do. But here's the problem a lot of the questions are actually decent well, and I fair, and that. he treats it like that's idiotic. Yeah. It's like, is they, it? they are decent questions, but you have to remember Kyle Shanahan is the smartest person alive. That's yes. true. NFL, yes. so. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I know there was somebody, <laughs> it might have been Grant Cohn. There was oh, a story. Boy. Uh, yeah, oh, and I think he said to Kyle, uh, this is documented. I think he's the one. Uh, he says, hey, um, it's great to have somebody back now. And it's great to have the West Coast offense back in San Francisco. And Kyle says, I don't run the effing West Coast <laughs> <laughs> How dare you confuse actually, what I do? I believe do. there are some, some of this offense has roots in the West Coast offense. So there's there's a different way to answer well, that. Yeah, I would words, say, but... Kyle, maybe explain to us why it's not the West Coast offense. Explain to us why there are similarities. But while this is this is the Shanahan offense, this is the genius of me and Papa, you know? Like... That's why there are so many people that don't like the 49ers because they resent some of his arrogance. At the same time, if he gets this on track. It doesn't matter. He, yeah, it's like Kyle being Kyle, and it's fine. Oh, boy. Uh, here's a question for you. Could Brock Purdy really be the 31st best quarterback in the NFL? The 31st best quarterback. Tell you who thinks he is when we come right back. Whitey and Watkins with Jay Mars in for Watkins today. Sacktown Sports. Whitey and Watkins now on YouTube. Search Sacktown Sports and watch the show from your desk. Ah, thanks for being with us. Um, hope you had a great weekend. I, can I just complain for just a minute? Sure. I know no one cares. Everyone has their problems. 
my uh, I inter- don't care. I know, I know, Tommy. My our, uh, internet at our house went out. Oh like, no! Yeah, um, was it Saturday night into most of Sunday? And it was, you know, you think, ah, what's the big deal? It's like, what is this, 1987 again? Right. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't, where what are the bunny ears? Read? Yeah. <laughs> Did you get the rabbit ears out, put them on the TV? Did you cuddle with a good book by the fire? Yeah, I was watching the Giants and Padres and it was uh, frozen <laughs> Saturday night, was it? Uh, so it was like, uh, maybe I'm getting my nights mixed up. Whatever <laughs> night, it, and it was like six to nothing and it's frozen. There's two runners on. And then, so the screen's frozen. Next day I turn it on and it's exactly the same. It's frozen. Um, uh, if you were watching funny. Padres Giants, that just might have been an acting god looking out for you. Maybe. So I missed. Uh, yeah, I missed the s- Sunday game. I guess I had no idea what happened. So that was that's an inconvenience, though. You know. Yeah. You no. It's do? I've I've had I didn't that have go to out. work the next day. So it's like okay. Well, we're, we've basically put all of our lives into the internet, mm-hmm. one way or the other. It, it controls everything. So yeah, when you have those moments of outage, it is like, oh, what do I do? You try not to panic. It's like ah, and then you play little games like. I'll check it now. I'm sure it's fine. No, I won't nope. check it now. I'm going to check nope. it now. Oh, You're watching the router to see if it stops yeah. like blinking yeah. feverishly and you get the right. solid light again. Right, right. Yeah. I felt so. like such a man over the uh, weekend because I was able to successfully switch out a GFCI outlet. Wow. Yeah, man. So if you need handyman work around your house, call me. Yeah, big guy. Yeah, here. that electrical <laughs> stuff. I used to live next door to... Um, uh, Gary Lunger, who's an outstanding contractor in the area, and he, you know, sometimes I'd say, Gary, I, I don't know what to do. And he'd say, he'd fix stuff, but he'd say two things that he, he was always careful about, plumbing and electrical. He said, I, yeah. you got to be careful. The so thing when- with the electrical is they're like, oh, just turn off these switches. I literally turn the whole house off. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not oh, risking it. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> I turn the whole house off, dude. I'm yeah. like, I, I don't, it, because I live in an older house too, so like the old utilities, it's like written in pencil, like half of it's erased. I don't know what's what. I'm like, oh, we'll just, you know, if we turn them all off, I can't hurt myself. Mm-hmm. I made the mistake of with electrical stuff, have I told you this, by the way, when I fix something around the house, I do the the Ricky Henderson speech? Oh, do you? Uh, Ricky Henderson, I go to my wife and my daughter, and they're like, they're so tired of it. Ricky Henderson was the greatest, uh, no, Lou Brock was a great bass dealer, but today... I am the greatest of all time. Why? What'd you do? Oh, I fixed the sink. You know, whatever it was. So anyway. Oh, uh, I was I was talking to my cat telling him, daddy's a handyman. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So yours is actually way cooler. Mine's a lot more. I have issues. I was fixing a plug on an old, my grandparents' old lamp. And so I was, re, you know, redoing the plug and rewired it wrong. So like it looped back into itself and plugged it in and. My wife came out. What happened? Oh, we're fine. I realized what my mistake was, but I told an electrician. He goes, "It's people like you keep me in business." Thank yes, one hundred percent. Almost blew up the house. Oh man! Well, I had the electrician come out before I switched out the outlet, and he quoted me. I'm like, "I'll figure it out myself." Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not paying you four hundred dollars for a ten dollar yeah. outlet. As long as you don't blow up the house, you're probably ahead. No of No houses blew up. YouTube's got a pretty good uh, chance of getting me out of this mess. Yes, dude, I went to YouTube. I call it YouTube University all the time. Like, you can learn so much stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom was a real do-it-yourselfer and didn't have YouTube then. I don't know how she did it. Yeah, I don't know how you... Books, I guess. Yeah, you DIY people that learned from your grandfather how to, like, build a bench. Shout out to you, because, yeah, (laughs) that that didn't get passed down to me. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you had a great weekend, and thanks for being with us here. This... uh, I don't know. Maybe this in part is due because because of what we we're just talking about. I think there's some 49er resentment, and it seems like a large swath of the national media 
I don't know where fans are in this, but a large portion of the national media has chosen to just look at what Brock Purdy did last year and pretend it can never happen. No. It's like, yeah, that's a fluke. Because <laughs> we have here from the ringer, quarterback rankings. And I know oh, that whose quarterback are, rankings are these, by the way? Yeah, real. This is Steven Ruiz. Ah, Steven. I know they're real cliche, but I admit I'm a sucker for power rankings. I can't stand. It's like they have the standings, <laughs> but quarterback rankings, you got me. Uh, so I'll just real quickly, uh, one through thirty, whatever. Mahomes is on there, and Josh, Josh Allen, Josh Allen, Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Seems Trevor fair Lawrence. So far, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, stop me if you hear anything you don't like. Dak Prescott, eight. Matthew Stafford, nine. Jalen Hurts. Tom Brady at number 11. Huh. <laughs> Says keeping a place for him Wait, just is this in case. Last season? No, no, this is current. Yeah. That's Keeping fun. a place for him just in case. Then it goes Kyler Murray, 12. Geno, Kirk Cousins, Tua, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, and then number 20, we're at Daniel Jones. Hmm. From there it goes to Sean Watson, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mac Jones, Jordan Love, Justin Fields, 25, Kenny Pickett, 26. Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, 28, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, C.J. Stroud, and Brock Purdy at number 32. Who's behind Purdy, just out of curiosity? Uh, you've got Sam Howell and Joshua Dobbs, and that's as low as they go. <laughs> yeah, I think Dobbs is you know, settled in there at 34, just fine. His also, Kyler, Kyler Murray, way too high. <laughs> Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, they, they have, have him at timing, accuracy, arm talent, creativity, decision making, pocket presence, and then they mix that in the stew, and then they come out with a quarterback grade, which is a, admittedly a stupid way to do it. But yeah. Still, and I try not to get upset about these things at all. Try not to waste any energy on it because you know they're designed to get you sure. bothered. But it's one guy's opinion, right? Second for Brock Purdy. That's insane. Did he not realize, because he had Jimmy Garoppolo, what, 22? Brock Purdy played better than Jimmy Garoppolo last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'm serious. Like, go watch game film. The 49ers got better when Brock Purdy got into the starting lineup. But getting this back to Shanahan, oh my this, as far as he's concerned, this is all noise, and he doesn't care. And if anything, maybe it works in the 49ers' favor a little bit because – it feeds into the narrative that Shanahan's a genius. If people think, yes. that quarterback's terrible, he could barely walk down the street and get groceries and bring it back, and he's winning under Shanahan's system. Yeah, but also, I've made this point before, right? There have been several quarterbacks in Shanahan's system that have sucked. Nick Mullins, not good. C.J. Beathard, not, not good. Great. No, not great. Uh, was Hoye here? Before oh, Garoppolo? absolutely, he was. Yeah, uh, I want to say, who was was Hoyer the starter before Garoppolo got here yes. in his first season? Okay, yes. they were like 0-9. My point is you actually have to have talent to run Shanahan's system. It's a very complicated system. It's not just a basic offense in the NFL. Like, in order to get that system down, number one, that's a large playbook. Number two, and we spoke about this, I think, last week. In order to properly run that system, you have to be a great decision maker because you have to get that ball out so fast. That was the thing about Hoyer, supposedly. He took care of the ball, and he got it out quick. And when he was here, nope, no, he didn't. None of that happened <laughs> at all. So I just find this idea, and again, I think it all just comes down to if Brock Purdy was a third-round quarterback instead of the last pick in the NFL draft, we have a completely different narrative of him. Mm-hmm. It's simply, I think, a lot of people, and I think you, I think you said it. There's a little bit of resentment there that Shanahan can turn the final pick in the draft into a, 
a, a good starting NFL quarterback. It's like people don't want to believe that. Like, they don't want to give the 49ers their flowers for the pick and developing him. I think he's probably the guy. I think there's a better chance than not, a much better chance than not, that Purdy is going to be the guy. We'll see, you know, sophomore slump and all that. There's still some questions to be answered. But I think Kyle's right when he says he's the guy. Yeah, no, I think of the three quarterbacks that were in camp, Lance, Purdy, and Darnold. And you go back and you watch, I mean, just the preseason. Now you can't get everything from preseason football, obviously. But in the three series he played, he looked like the guy that you want to run Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah, the offense functioned at a high level. at a high level. what he does. He's making quick plays. Yes. He's making the smart play. He's either getting rid of the ball if he's pressured or he's breaking for runs like... Dude, I the offense moves when he's driving it. It's gonna be interesting, like if he continues to play at the level he did last year. Like when when does everybody succumb to the idea that he's a good quarterback, right? Like how long does that take? What does that look like? What does he need to actually? It's gonna do? be a while. Even if they win a Super Bowl, it'll be well. But he's not the reason they won. Yeah, they had some McCaffrey those, and Debo and Ayuk, and the defense was outstanding. Some of baked in there real deep. Coming up next here, the Jets continue to show us the line between confident and stupid. Uh, Jamar's in for Watkins today. Why didn't Watkins sack down sports? Jamar's in for Chris Watkins today. Uh, Chris should be in this afternoon. Question for you, Jamar's yeah. dear listener: Are you as sick of the Jets as I am? Yes, 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 yes. It's all the it's the Aaron Rodgers effect, right? Yeah, and it's hard knocks, and I get it. And there's the spotlight's been shown on them, and. That's not their fault. But I don't feel like we had this, like, disdain towards the Lions when they were on Hard Knocks last season, right? Like, they were actually almost like a darling because of it. It really it, it spotlighted them, and then, you know, they had the 9 and an 8 year, and I feel like it worked out well. And it's, like, just the complete opposite with the Jets. I think the Jets are playing this wrong. I, I know to a degree you want – well, of course, you want to be confident, but the way they're leaning into the expectations, to me – well, here's a great example of what I'm talking about. DJ Reed now is talking about the Jets' defense. He's a corner, and that's great. Um, he's I'm very confident. Great. I think we have the potential to be the best defense in the NFL. Mm, okay, be careful about that, but all right. Honestly, I think we can be historical. Oh. Not just the best defense in the league, but I think we can be a historical defense like the 85-86 Bears oh. and the Legion of Boom oh. Seahawks in 2013. I, I think we can be. I think we can be that dominant if we just put all things together. Yeah. So I get it. The defensive coordinator says, "Well, you want to be confident, but that's just dumb. You're just putting a target." On yeah. Why do you? Why I don't understand. Like you had me. At, we have potential to be a really good defense, right? When you use, especially when you use the word potential, that's a great way to save yourself from any sort of like real scrutiny. It's like, yeah, we have potential, you know, if all things go right. But yeah, that when you start comparing yourselves to historical defenses uh-huh. that are mainly responsible for their teams winning Super Bowls, that's where you're going to be a meme you're if you're for trouble. if your team is four and eight after week twelve. <laughs> and I said it was a coordinator. It was actually defensive end John Franklin Myers. He said. Hey, why not speak your goals? But the um, the the Jets open against the Bills. Um, We're good, by the way. <laughs> yes, number two scoring offense in uh, last year, and that's the Monday Night Football season opener. And you're just really you're just asking for trouble. If I can tell you a story about way back when, uh, the first Super Bowl I ever kind of covered, and this is way back when, when I was 11 or whatever, and it was the 49ers-Dolphins Super Bowl. covered the Super Bowl when you were 11? Seems wow. like I was. I don't you know. You were a prodigy. Might as, might as well have been. And you remember uh, Clayton and Duper? Well, maybe you, you 
might not remember this, but they Sounds were like talking about a how, morning show yeah. in North Dakota. I'm Clayton Duper, sports talk. Yeah, the way you want it. <laughs> we put the fan first. Yeah, uh, they were saying how they were going to destroy the 49ers. So Ronnie Lott sitting there, you know, you have these huge scrums, and I say, "Hey, Ronnie Lott, hey, hey, hey." He goes, "Aren't you? What are you like? Eleven? What are you doing here?" I said, "No, don't worry about it." And I said, Clayton and Duper said they're going to toast you guys. What do you? Th- they're going to destroy you guys. What do you think? And I'll never forget just the way he looked at me, and he goes, "You know." They they could be right. This is Ronnie Lott. He's like, they got, you know, you look at the numbers they put up this year, and, man, they're really talented, and we got our hands full. Then they played the game, and the 49ers <laughs> destroyed. destroyed them. But Ronnie Lott recognized, I don't need to say that. Right. Uh, we're going to do it. Now, when he answered that, could you sense any sort of sarcasm in his voice at all, or was he like, did he try to play it off like, oh, no, they could really do that He played us. it off pretty okay. well. Yeah. <laughs> pretty well. I yeah. see what you did there. <laughs> So, and I never forgot that. And of course, you know, Ronnie Lott knew what he was capable of doing and what that defense was going to do. So, can I ask you a question? <laughs> let's take 11 year old Whitey. Yeah. Let, let's, let's, I was really older than that. But yeah, yeah. Let, let's get the DeLorean. Let's bring him to 2023 and ask Josh Allen the same question. <laughs> hey, uh, the Jets said they're going to be a historically good defense. <laughs> they're going to be as good as the 85 Bears and uh-huh. the Legion to Boom. What do you think about that, Josh? Well, yeah. I mean, they were a great defense last year. We got our hands, uh, we got our work cut out for us, you know, and then you get into practice like, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do to them. Yeah. Have you heard this story about, speaking of confident defenses, right before the Super Bowl when the 49ers played the Chargers, and and you know what happened in that game. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, and the 49ers were pretty loose, mm-hmm. and Deion was on that team, and Deion was having a great time. Um, and Jerry Rice, you know, old school Jerry Rice, they have a team meeting like the night before the game, whatever. And Jerry Rice is, uh, guys, this is not the way we do it. We got, we're not taking care of our business. We're not focused. And Dion says, dude, we got this. What are you worried about? And yeah, Dion Prime, was right. Yeah, Prime was a little more yeah. loose than Jerry. Also, yeah, just as yeah. a player in yeah. general. Yes. Yeah, but He's like, sh- Jerry, what are you worried yeah, about? I, but don't you respect that with Jerry Rice? Like, there is that I fear in the back. Hey, guys, that's it. They got to the Super Bowl. Like, if we don't take them seriously, they can do to us like they did in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. I respect I, that. I think that comes down to what motivates people. <laughs> uh, some people are motivated by fear. I think Jerry Rice, and I'm the same way, uh, uh, largely. <laughs> yeah. Some people are motivated by fear. Like, what happens if I don't do this? Oh, I better do it. It's almost like for them, too, it was, <laughs> it was like fear of embarrassment, right? Yeah. Like, can you imagine this Niners team, everything we've done this year, we lose to the freaking Chargers in the right, Super Bowl. Right, What touchdown catch do you think Jerry had that he finally loosened up? Like, when in the game did Jerry, like, oh, Dion was right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. After what? After three I, or I four. I was like, you know, because that that's how they won those Super Bowls when they weren't supposed to win Super Bowls. Right. So, uh, uh, Jerry, probably, excuse me, was probably like, okay, well, the game's not over yet, so, you know, hold on. <laughs> Guys, we only got 35 points. Like, yeah. we got we to gotta put the nail in the coffin already. Yeah, so it's great you know, to be... Confidence. You know, you know who I remember doing. DJ Reed is not no, Deion Sanders. Last he's time not. Do you remember who I remember doing this? And it, it kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. I don't know if enough people picked him up, but I remember his rookie year in Sacramento. There was a guy that they asked, "Who do you think's you know who do you think's going to win the MVP this year?" And, and he said, "Me." He he bet on himself to win the MVP in his rookie year. And it wasn't in a, like, ha-ha sense either. Like, I'm like, oh, I think he really believes that. It was Marvin Bagley. Okay. 
It didn't work. No. <laughs> he didn't win the MVP, Whitey. I hate to break it to you. Yeah. I don't know I if didn't he's think on... he did. I was, you know, <laughs> like going through the grids there on Immaculate Grid. Rookie of the Year. I he's not his name. No, not no MVP, up. not Rookie of the Year. Oh. MVP of the league. Really? Yeah. Okay. And it's like I remember when it happened. Everyone was like, "Oh, well, you want a guy to be confident, right?" It's like not that confident. No, you got to be realistic. Also, so. don't think he's tracking towards one anytime soon. That's just my opinion, though. On the other hand, I agree with you. <laughs> By the way, I have a um, Marvin Bagley card, basketball card, and on the back it's Vince Carter. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's got to be worth something. The, as a, I don't just know. a mistake. I don't know who it is or not. Oh. On the front it's Marvin Bagley, on the back it's Vince Carter. So. Uh, what's worth more, the Bagley side or the Carter I, side? <laughs> I don't know, but I will say this about the Jets: I can't wait to watch them. It is going to be, you know, and they've 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 set this up, this drama. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, are we? Are we rooting for them to be good because, okay, it's better for football if they're good. It's It makes the Jets being intriguing is like a better storyline than, LOL, this team failed with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback and they're on hard knocks talking all of this. Like, I feel like we're rooting for them to fail just so we can point the figure. Yeah, that's the old Aaron Rodgers. I've warmed up a little bit to Aaron Rodgers this year. Well, this so is I don't Mr. Rodgers, right? Exactly. I don't have that same animosity towards him or whatever it is. So Dude, Until they start 0-4 and he just throws his receivers under the bus. That's a great point you, you raised. I think I would like them to win enough games early so that it's still the drama continues. There's still something to right. see halfway through the season. Yeah, I want to see the Jets in the playoffs and fail there. Yeah. I think that's what's best for football. To me, that's very likely. Yeah, no, I think they have a chance to make the playoffs. Because it's like, we could make the playoffs. No, you don't say, we're going to be historic. We're going to win the Super Bowl with an historic defense. I don't think you are. Why do you put that kind of <laughs> right. uh, like, I get expectation it, the, out you there? You know, the defense was good it last was. year. It, it was. It was good. Yes. But going from good to 85 Bears and Legion of Boom, that's, uh, that's quite the leap. <laughs> the Jets defense returning eight starters, and they were ranked number four in scoring and number four in yards allowed. So, yeah, they could be the best defense in the league. They could be. But that's fine. Yeah. You don't go from there to, but even, we're going to be the Legion of Boom. I was going to say, even if they are the best defense in the league, that doesn't make you the 85 Bears or the Legion no. of Boom. The 49ers were the best defense in the NFL last year. Nobody was comparing them to any of those like historically good defenses. And another reason why I wouldn't do that ever is because the way the game's played now, we're never going to see defenses like that. No. You can't play defense like that. No. It's against the rules. No, exactly. Tackling 15 yards. I touched him in the air. That's a, yeah, it's half the distance to the goal. Get him two first downs, actually. Yeah. So, good luck, Jets. By the way, can you, not to put you on the spot here, sure. can you tell us what is going on here with Chandler Jones and the Raiders? Do okay. we even know where that is right now? So, I don't know where it's at right now. So, Chandler Jones took to his Instagram earlier today and, uh, had some not nice things to say about the Raiders. Um, apparently, they're not letting him practice in the facility. Hmm. And this, this this upset him to the point that he put it on his IG story and then followed up with, F it, I don't want to play for this organization if that's my head coach and that's my GM. He has since deleted said IG story, so I don't know if they opened the gym for him to go play. Um, but, yeah, not, not a good look, especially yeah. when there's already been a lot of rumors that, like, Josh McDaniels is very much a my way or the highway type of guy, which I don't really feel like that coaching works very well in 2023. Just, again, it's like... The Raiders saw the 49ers drama. They're like, hey, we want drama too. And now you have this. Okay, yeah, I heard Dave explaining it today. But when he was done explaining it, I was more confused than I had been before I even knew about it. So 
That, you I appreciate your explanation. Yeah, I, I don't put that ball on the tee for me. I, I have a tendency to swing the bat. <laughs> uh, Chris Biederman, Candlestick Chronicle, is going to join us at 11 o'clock. Coming up next, the Giants have been declared unwatchable, but we have a solution next. Whitey and Watkins with J. Marzin for Watkins today on Sacktown Sports. Download the Sacktown Sports app and listen to Whitey and Watkins on your smartphone. Hey, where's Watkins? What have you done with Watkins? Who are you and what have you done with Watkins? I've tied him in a wet blanket. <laughs> to some, that would be miserable. But to him, it's very comfortable. <laughs> That's why he hasn't got out of it yet. He'll be along today, uh, this afternoon. So we've got Jamar's in for Watkins today. On uh, We are just... Uh, you know, picking through the wreckage of the big fat sports weekend. Yeah, a lot yeah. of wreckage. Especially if you're a Giants fan. There was oh, some wreckage. Oh, so much wreckage. A little bit of wreckage there. All the wreckage. So much wreckage after losing three straight to the punchless Padres and then losing yesterday to the Cubs um, that today in the athletic, Grant Brisby, who loves everything about the Giants, everything that ev- has ever had anything to do about the Giants, he loves it. But he said today, he wrote that the Giants right now are unwatchable because they just... They literally are unable to score runs. They've put up one run in the last three games. And this was a team, by the way, it was like two months ago, they had a really good offense. Or at least it seemed like they had a really good offense, the right? month of June, right? month of June yeah. like, whoa! And then, like, the All-Star break happened, and they came back, and it was like they're still hungover or something because this offense has been punchless since the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and their pitching has been pretty good. Yeah. And it's too bad because, of course, as you know, if you're a Giants fan, last week they had – couple of magical nights where they had Kyle Harrison's home debut, and he was great. And then the next night, Alex Cobb nearly pitched a no-hitter. And then since then, it's been, ooh, yeah, they, what happened? They lose to the Reds 4-1, to one, but then they bounce back, and they beat the Padres 7-2 to in the opener. And it's like, okay, they've taken 3-4 of four this team. You know, you can't, wait, you can't expect them to sweep every series. And then after that, after that nice seven-run outage, three runs, one run, no runs, no runs. What happened? And you just get that feeling watching him like yesterday. is like, they're not going to score a run. No. Suzuki hit a home run, um, and Logan Webb was pitching really well. That's the other thing. Gabe Kapler all of a sudden's, hey, you're leaving him in too long. You never do that. <laughs> what, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but once the Cubs scored one, it felt like, God, that might be enough. Yeah, it, it doesn't look like any sign of turning around. You have the Cubs today. You have the Cubs tomorrow. And then you have the Rockies, but it's in San Francisco. I was going to say, maybe Coors Field, if you were going to Colorado, might get the bats awake, but no, not going to happen. I don't know. I I think the Giants are out of it. And I think the interesting thing here is when you talk about the unwatchable part of it, yes, it's the offense, but also you don't see day-to-day. It's always like it's something different, you know, with the different lineups they roll out, with the platooning that they do, but it's also the same result. Which is fine if the result is wins, right? But when you're rolling out different lineups on a fairly regular basis and you're platooning guys and it doesn't work, it makes it really hard to latch on to players to root for. Because you don't know if they're going to be the lineup or where they're going to be at in the lineup on any given day. Like the Dodgers tried this forever, being super analytical and we're going to have this deep bench and we're going to platoon guys. And it was like fine just because they were really talented. But then every time they got to the playoffs, you realize, oh, that strategy can't work. There's yeah. something to having guys play 
you know, their same position, their same spot in the order on a regular basis, that to me increases the watchability of a team, knowing what I've got. I think what they're trying to do is develop now enough younger players where fans start to feel kind of an ownership. Sure. Oh, we saw these guys grow up, and they have done a good job of bringing up some young players, but if the young players aren't very good, uh, doesn't go anywhere. As I was trying to explain to you before the show started, to me right now the Giants – uh, they're so analytically driven. Farhan reminds me of an engineer who's built this rocket that's supposed to get to the moon against all odds, and then they get you know three quarters of the way there, which is where the Giants are now. And then he realizes, oh, well, I hadn't taken that into account. Yeah, we don't have enough fuel. Yeah, we can't. It's not gonna. We can't get there. And it's like he probably had an assistant engineer tell him like, hey, you might want to add fuel here and there. I've done this a little bit. Um, I've taken a few rockets to the moon. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the correct idea, but it has a chance to go wrong because you're not accounting for all the other stuff around you, which goes back to it's like analytics are great, but it's both. It's analytics, but you also have to let your manager have a feel for the game, right? And you have to have a feel for the game, which is like, and you kind of saw that with the Harrison and the, uh, the Logan, or excuse me, Alex Cobb. That was Gabe Kapler feeling the game, right? It It wasn't super analytically driven. And if you just go all analytics, and I hate to keep referencing the Dodgers here, go back to the 2020 World Series. The Tampa Bay Rays lost that World Series because everything was based on analytics. They had no feel for what was going on, and the Dodgers took advantage of it. You have to have someone in there that has a feel for the game that can say, you know what, I know the numbers say this, but... Just trust me on it this one time. And it still comes down to talent. Yes, talent uh, t- Talent does win, believe it or not. The Giants right now are they're a game out of the third wild card. So it's Philadelphia, Chicago, Arizona would be the wild card teams. And Cincinnati, and they're technically tied there. And then Miami, and then the, then the Giants, they're two over 500. Their, their run differential now, is they're minus 10. Eesh. So there's time, and certainly they're right there in the thick of it. But as far as the unwatchability goes, and people have been feeling that way about this team for quite Mm -hmm. a while here in San Francisco, the most obvious solution to that going into next year is Otani-san. I mean, if you're unwatchable, you get him. I mean, I'd pay to watch him read the phone book, you know? Shohei Otani would make the Oakland A's the most watchable team in baseball next year, right? That's how much... That's how much he means to your product. And I think that gets lost sometimes on fans is when you sign a player like Otani and they throw this money out there, right? And you're like, oh my God, how could you pay for one player? Is what he does on the field that much? Is it worth it? And it's like, you don't factor in the off-field stuff like viewers and ticket sales and all this stuff that comes in. That's why a guy like Otani can command that kind of money. And it's going to be interesting. Do you think him having the injury... Because I do think that will that'll take the money down a little bit, right? In the bidding. Does that give the Giants a better chance? Maybe, but I do think there's a good chance that somebody will see that as an opportunity. It's like, oh. hey, Shohei, nobody wants to give you what they were gonna give you. We will. We're gonna we'll give you that if that's what it takes for us to get you. His agent, by the way, as you may have heard, uh Nez Balello of CAA made two things clear yesterday. He said Otani will be ready to at least hit at the start of next year, to at least hit and he said he will remain a two-way player down the road. There you go. So he's going to pitch. Not next year, probably. And they're still figuring out what they're going to do here and the extent of his injury. But his agent says he's going to hit, start of next year, and he will be a two-way player going forward. Where do you where do you put the Giants in a percentage standpoint of chance to sign him? 
5%. Really? I think the Dodgers, it's the Dodgers game now if they want him. Because I think that's where he wants to go. There's a lot of indications that that's where he wants to go. Okay, so are you 95 Dodgers, 5 Giants? Um, or do you have another? Know, do you have another dark horse in there? There's a couple other teams in there. I think San Diego may do something really stupid, <laughs> but I don't think he'll want to go there. Right. Um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons. The they Angels gave. are done, you, right? Yeah, uh, probably. I mean, if you were just look at it, just logically, if you're showing oh it, Donnie, God. you want to go back there after what happened the last month and a half? Seattle by the way, maybe has a shot. You know, the Yankees will make. Do a the run. A's have a chance? Um, let's hope so. Bless yeah. Him, you know? Yeah. The I think A's, Fisher, the you know, A's Fisher, totally have a chance. Once Fisher decides to open up the pocketbook. Well, that's right. Look out. Yes. And we're going to see. <laughs> he Sh- knows how much things cost. And when we see Shohei show up in those old Navy commercials, we'll know where the money came from, won't we? <laughs> 90% Dodgers, 5% Giants, 3% San Diego. <laughs> 2% A's. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Because so, Shohei always gets 110%. That's right. Yeah. That, but other than that, I mean, they're talking about getting Bellinger, the Giants. There's rumors. That's great, but it's... a nice bounce back here this year. I know. Really nice. But does actually he make, be a does good signing. take you from unwatchable to watchable? No, but if you sign him and Shohei, then you're, you're super That's watchable, the, the right? The Shohei thing is the important part there, yes. Uh, you know, it's important for the 49ers is getting this Nick Bosa thing figured out. Chris Biederman, Candlestick Chronicles, will explain to us where that is when he joins us next. It's Whitey and Watkins, and we've got Jmars in for Watkins today on Sackdown Sports.